On April 14, 1864, several families left Springfield, Illinois for the fertile farmlands of Central California. Known as the Donner Party for their leader George Donner, the group decided to take a shortcut known as the Hastings Cutoff instead of the well-established Oregon Trail, a decision many wouldn't live to regret. Today, we'll discuss the troubles they faced along the way, how the survivors were finally rescued, and what drove the group to cannibalism on this episode of Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined today by my lovely co host, Isela. Mommy's back. She really did return after going to the store to buy a pack of cigarettes. How are you doing today? Feeling so wonderful and refreshed. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great, also. Good. Glad to have you back for the next couple of episodes. Have you been enjoying your sabbatical from the podcast? It is so nice to be back. Yes. And it was nice to have some time with my family. Went to visit my niece for her birthday. Lovely. Awesome. Well, glad that you had a lovely time off. Yes. Now, this episode was written entirely by ChatGPT. This might be the first completely AI podcast episode. Actually, I'm, I'm kidding. I wrote the script. I was like, uh, this is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just felt like we had to mention AI since I feel like everyone else is talking about it. Yeah. And by the time this episode airs, we could be living in an apocalyptic hellscape where the robots are walking on top of our bones, our skulls crushed underneath their feet. If you think about it, they already have our DNA. Everyone that's done 23andMe, they have your DNA. This is true. It's just a matter of time before ChatGPT becomes sentient and begins to replicate using our DNA to look and act like us, and it starts the matrix and uses us as batteries. <laughs> it's like porno for pyros, what they said. We'll at least make great pets. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that those of us that don't welcome our evil robot overlords will be obliterated. Mm. Good times ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't believe any of that, but I did feel like we had to mention ChatGPT and AI. Yeah, everyone's talking about it. In fact, one of my friends um, from like, Jesus, like from sixth grade, we're all in a group chat and he, oh, the same person who actually shared the cocaine bear with me. He had shared with us the rap battle of chat, GPT and AI. They like battled each other. Oh my God. It was, <laughs> it was comical. And yeah, it was very, it was a very clear winner for sure. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm actually not on ChatGPT, but I was invited to Google's version, which is called Bard. And you have to hear their description of our podcast. Let me uh, let me look it up because I was reading it and I was like, it was saying like, oh, it's a podcast with Chris and Josh uh, who've been friends since they were in elementary school or some shit. Wow. It's very weird. Let me see if I could find it. Okay. It just makes up a storyline. They're such liars, these chat people. It did, but like I kind of want to listen to that podcast now. These bots, oh yeah, yeah. Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get you in on a little secret. <laughs> you are <laughs> listening to it several times. <laughs> you know what? Actually, they have fixed it. Oh, 
So I'm not uh, Josh or whichever one I was. Yeah, we're not Chris and Josh, and we haven't been friends since elementary school. Okay. <laughs> now it's actually very accurate. It says, technically, a conversation is a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, the hosts take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. They strive to entertain and educate in a way that's loose and fun. Their topics are all over the place from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. The podcast was started in 2020 by two friends who wanted to share their love of learning with others. They have since released over 100 episodes and their audience has grown to over 10,000 listeners. I wish we had 10,000 listeners, but we've had over 10,000 <laughs> listens. Downloads at least, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, wa I want to claim that, but... Mm. <laughs> And we have not released over 100 episodes yet. Not yet. We're very close. Yes. This one is actually episode number 93, I want to say. And the one that we just recorded, yours, is episode nine, number 94. Oh, exciting. And it also says, if you're looking for a podcast that will make you think and laugh, technically a conversation is definitely worth checking out. Oh, I like these chat guys. They're cute. I think I should send I should send them a little box of oil cans or something. <laughs> so they can grease their death machines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enough fucking around, Isela. Ready to get started? Do it. Great. Let's get started. Have you ever taken a road trip before? You and I have a couple times. A few times. We have. What's the funnest road trip that you can remember taking? I think that first one when we went to Phoenix was so, I remember crying. Like, I remember crying laughing from, I don't remember what, but probably just some of our pendejadas that we were talking. But I was like, oh my God, I can't. I was like, I think I don't have to pee because I would have just peed in his car. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you didn't say it was due to my offensive odor. No, no, no. Was there a road trip where things didn't quite turn out the way you would have imagined? Oh, for sure. This might paint me in a bad light, and I'm okay with it, because you know what? I like to show warts and all. This is me, good, bad, ugly, or pretty much bad, worse, and worse, right? Let's, let me just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, when I go on road trips, I just want to get in the car and get to my destination. Very minimal distractions. I don't want to keep going off the side of the road and like, oh, I got to pull over just to tie my shoe. Fuck that. No, we're trying to get there soon. You know what I mean? Put on a diaper and just stop for gas. Thank you. Right. Astronaut style. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll blend up a freaking uh, hamburger and I'll just put it in your camel pack or whatever those things are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That sounds so nasty. You're drinking out of a straw, drinking the hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was the joke. So um, when... I was being picked up. We were going to Austin. I can't remember for what, but someone I was uh, dating at the time picked me up. He still had to get gas. I was like, dude, what? You knew, we, we knew what time we were going. Like, what's happening here? Okay, fine, right, fine. We go, we get gas. We haven't even made it out of the city. Okay, we're like barely passing airway. And homie was like getting all sleepy. Like he was I could see it in his eyes. And I was like, oh my God, let me just drive. Let me just drive. You're dropping like down to 50 on the <laughs> freaking freeway. Let me just drive. And he's like, okay, I just, I just need a quick nap. Boom. I catch us up. We speed or I speed rather. And um, he took a, maybe like an hour power nap. 
And then he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Let me just pull over. I want to drive again. Just pull over. I don't know if it's like a manly thing for the driving, but I was like, no, I'm like, just let me drive. We already pulled over. Like, just let me do this thing. No, he doesn't. Fine. Okay. Let me. Okay. We're going to give it one more shot. He, I pull over again. He gets in the driver's seat, maybe drives 40 minutes and starts getting sleepy again. I was like, oh my God, I was so frustrated. It was, yeah, it was, I drove the whole way after. I was like, nah, nah, son, nah. It's like, it's not okay. That wasn't too bad. I don't think it paints you in a bad light. Internally, I was like, I was like crawling at my neck. Yeah. I know when you and I take road trips, I usually like you to drive at least until we get past the border checkpoint. Because I know that if I drive, they're going to want to bring in the dogs and (laughs) fucking start taking the seats and shit out. Right. But if you're driving, they normally just pass us through. That's true. You're so silly. (laughs) So, oh my God, is this a road trip from hell? I'm excited already. Well, I'm actually going to tell you the story of the worst road trip ever. Yes. I don't think anyone will ever beat this for both how miserable and how awful an experience this was. Okay. The following is from a Britannica and Wired article. Link to this and all our sources will be in the show notes. On April 14th, 1846, the families of brothers George and Jacob Donner and local businessman James Reed loaded up their ox-driven wagons and left Springfield, Illinois for Central California. Like a lot of Midwestern families, the Donners were farmers and had heard the tales of the fertile farmlands of California and even more enticing, the people who were striking it rich finding gold in the state. Joining the Donners and Reeds were about a dozen of their employees with the party totaling 31 people. On May 12th, the group reached Independence, Missouri, and joined another wagon train headed west. On July 20th, 1846, the group divided in Wyoming with most of the wagons heading north using the well-known Oregon Trail, the Donner-Reed Party, and 56 other individuals, now totaling 87 people, chose to take the Hastings Cutoff, a shortcut they were told would cut out three weeks from their travels. Let's examine what happened while on the Hastings Cutoff and why this proved to be a decision some of them wouldn't live to regret. But first, Isela, are you familiar with the story of the Donner Party? I am not familiar with the Donner Party, but I mean, I know that a lot of people went out west for like the gold rush or whatever. You're going to be in for a surprise with this one. (laughs) Okay. It takes a tragic and shocking turn. Ooh. I mean, if it didn't, why would I even bother talking about a group of farmers going to California, right? Yeah. Snore. Yeah, that's boring. The Hastings Cutoff is named after Lanford Hastings, who Britannica described as an unreliable guide. What's the shortest distance between two points, Isela? A straight line, unless it's a wormhole. Just depends where we're going. (laughs) Well, you were right with the straight line. Okay, good. On paper, the Hastings Cutoff appeared to be more of a straight line and appeared to shave more than 300 miles or 480 kilometers from the trip. In reality, it actually was 125 miles or 200 kilometers further, and would have added an extra week to the trip. Wow, okay. This was if everything went according to plan. The Oregon Trail would have taken you from Wyoming up through Idaho, bypassing Utah almost entirely, and into Nevada. Before the families left Illinois, a friend of Reed, who had traveled to California through the Hastings Cutoff, actually warned Reed not to take that route. But the group chose not to heed his warnings and took the Hastings Cutoff anyway. The party elected George Donner to be the party leader when they separated from the other group that chose to take the more well-known and established Oregon Trail. 
Donner was in charge of 29 men, 15 women, 43 children, and 23 ox-drawn wagons. Wow. And also kind of felt like saying, and a partridge and a pear tree, because... I know, that's a lot. <laughs> wow. That's a big party. That was like the caravans of the... You know how there's like a big caravan coming up like towards the border every two weeks or something? That was like the caravan of the day. Yeah, definitely. The Hastings Cutoff, according to Wired, was not even a trail. It was just a line Hastings drew on a map that takes you through the Wasatch Mountains of Utah. Because it's not a trail, you need to carve yourself up the mountains using an axe and shovel. And the 36 miles or 58 kilometers crossing you thought would take you three days would actually take you three weeks. <gasps> After reaching the grueling peak of the Wasatch Mountains, the view you would be greeted by was discussed as being sickening. Would you like to take a little guess why? If you're that high up, I would imagine it's beautiful. Is it just all the like the death and mayhem of the people that didn't make it or what? Waving to you on the other side with a slacked mouth smile would be the beautiful Great Salt Lake Desert. But don't worry. Hastings said it was a difficult, yet very manageable 40 miles or 64 kilometers. In reality, it was 80 miles or 128 kilometers. So it's now August 30th when they reached the bottom of the Wasatch Mountains. The path through the mountains was described as being nearly impassable and took an additional two weeks. So they were on the damn mountain for five weeks instead of three. Wow. So keep in mind, Hastings said it would only take them three days to cross the mountains. The Donner party knew they had a difficult path ahead of them as they entered the desert. So they gathered as much food and water as they could carry. Hastings told them that it would take them two days to cross the desert. So they went out into the desert like Jesus for 40 days. <laughs> no, actually, I'm kidding. It was only supposed to be six beautiful days and nights of steering your thirsty and parched cattle, their only motivation being their desperation and instinct for some water. It sounds lovely. I'm sure it was lovely. <laughs> I don't know. But while in the desert, the party lost dozens of cattle and wasted several days trying to find them. This search turned out to be in vain, and several wagons had to be abandoned. <gasps> Pretty shitty, right? Oh, it's awful. It's like the whole, you can't, you never leave a man behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, it was their cattle that left them behind, so. I, yeah, that's true. It's now September 26. The group that broke off in Wyoming and took the Oregon Trail had already completed their journey to California. And we're rolling down the street, smoking Indo, Indo sipping yeah. on gin and juice, <laughs> laid back. <laughs> the Donner Party had crossed the Great Lake Desert only to discover another desert in Nevada. Oh As you can imagine, people were stressed out and tensions were high. On October 5th, there was an argument between one of our protagonists, James Reed, who was one of the three OG patriarchs that left with the Donners, and another man named John Snyder. The argument got physical and Reed stabbed Snyder to death. Originally, the men wanted to hang Reed, but instead he was banished from the group and continued west on horseback. His family remained with the Donners. Another person just described as Mr. Hardcoop was kicked off another wagon to lighten the load and was left to die. Wow, that's savage. Yeah, and neither Wired or Britannica gave more details on why Hardcoop was abandoned. That sounds super fucked up, right? Very. But who knows, right? We don't know. We weren't there. He could have been trying to be all rapey with the women's and children's or or the animals or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That escalated really quickly. I know. I know. 
Hardcoop and James Reed weren't mentioned again, so I don't believe either person completed the journey. Wow. The group begins their ascent of the Sierra Nevadas on October 13th. By this point, warriors of the Paiute tribe had killed several of the group's oxen. They had buried virtually all of their personal possessions except for food, clothing, and the barest essentials in an effort to minimize the load of the remaining exhausted animals. On October 31st, the weary travelers approach Truckee Pass, or Donner Pass as it's now known, but they find their path is blocked by the ever-deepening snow. Normally the Sierra Nevada don't get snow this early in the year, but this winter was especially brutal. Let's take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we'll talk about the events that led to their starvation and eventual cannibalism. All right. And I'm Jane. And we have a brand new podcast called Bedknobs and Broom Flicks, where we talk about witches of the entertainment world. From the horror movies Warlock, Suspiria, The Witch, and The Blair Witch Project. To the more comedic or whimsical, such as Harry Potter, Hocus Pocus, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and The Blair Witch Project. No movie, TV show, or book is off limits. All witches, man witches, sorry warlocks, we're not calling you that. Witches brews, <laughs> witches of history, familiars, and witch-like activity will be discussed as we laugh and have fun talking about the wonderful world of witches. So join us every other week for some fun witchy talk. All witches welcome. If you like weird, spooky, and strange history, then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda. And I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, the paranormal, and unsolved mysteries, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Get your Horrifying History fix by subscribing today on Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back. Did you eat anybody from your family during our break, Isala? Did you eat your doggy? I don't see your doggy. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> Good. So how did we get to starvation and eventual cannibalism? Great question, Isala. Before we get into that, what are your thoughts? I can see where people lose it and they lose their patience. It's like every episode of Snapped. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but they take it, they take it, they try to be patient, and then something just like, ah, they go all crazy, and then boom, they kick somebody off the wagon. Or, you know, I guess in that case, literally, this is the case. But I, I'm assuming it's just tensions were high. They were on the road already at this point for three months. Three months. That's insane. It's really crazy, and it only gets worse. Right. I mean, Cheetos only has a really short shelf life. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like they had Cheetos. Yeah, and you can only eat Cheetos for so long too before you get tired of them. Well, I mean, between Cheetos or eating gluteus maximus, I'd stick to the Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. I've never even heard of Snapped. Oh, man. It's a really good show. But at the same time, it's going to make you want to be single forever. So maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm kind of already at that point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the group arrives at the Donner Pass of the Sierra Nevada Mountains 
and find that they are unable to pass due to the snow. And this wasn't just a little mamala like we get here in El Paso. The snow was described as being five feet high. Oy. Typically, this region doesn't get so much snow so early, but 1846 was a particularly heavy and early winter. The Wire article stated that if this had happened any other year, the Darner party would have made it through, no problem. Being snowbound, the group built some crudely constructed cabins to get some protection from the elements. Ironically, the Donners themselves suffered a wagon accident, so they set up camp near Alder Creek, which was described as being a few miles east of where the main group was. Eight days of continuous snow followed, during which time many of their oxen, who were their chief food reserves, wandered off and got lost. After the snowstorm passed, the Donner party believed the snow would clear out in a few days and they would be able to continue on their journey. They thought the Sierra Nevadas was like the mountains that they were used to, where that usually happened, but that didn't happen here. On December 15th, Bayless Williams, an employee of the Reed family, was the first of many to die of malnutrition. On October 16, a group of 10 men and 5 women improvised some snowshoes to set off through the Sacramento Valley to seek help. The rest of the group remained at the camp. While at the camp, some attempted to hunt, but these people were farmers, not mountain men, so a lot of them didn't really know how to fish the trout in the lakes or trap the small vermin that might have been in the area. All the larger animals would already be hibernating, would have moved to warmer areas to survive the winter. Eventually, the food they brought with them was gone, and they had already slaughtered what remained of their oxen, the ones that didn't wander away. <laughs> they then moved on to eating the dogs. Oh my gosh! Six weeks after being trapped in the camp, they started eating their leather. Apparently, they would boil the leather until it would turn into a pulp and eat the resulting glue-like substance. That sounds super gross. It sounds really awful, but... If you think about it, it is part of an animal, so maybe it provides, I don't know, some kind of protein. I don't even know. Wow. Yeah, and no, I can't imagine eating that shit. I imagine it being like engrudo or something. Do you know what is engrudo? I don't know what is engrudo. What is that? It's like this paste that my grandma used to make like with vinegar and um, I want to say it was flour. Ew. But when we would run out of glue, she would make that for us and would use that as glue. Oh, what? Oh, that... <laughs> Why are you guys running out of glue? What's, what kind of crazy, cool arts and crafts house is this? <laughs> well, because we were kids and we were always having to glue stuff for for school. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. No, that's gross. They should have brought some mycena with them. All I'm saying is if you were talking about like, let's say bull balls or, you know, I've heard that people eat testicles of some animal. <laughs> I would rather eat the leather. Like if I had a choice, I don't even have to be on fear factor. Don't give me money. I'm the choice is easy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> speaking of uh, bull balls, <laughs> did you hear that they uh, were able to use DNA to make woolly mammoth meatballs or something like that? Yes, that's so strange. But then they're like, well, can we eat it? They're like, no, we can't. But we know we can make it. I'm like, what? That was useless. That was useless. No, I, I think they're intending to sell it, but I don't know if I would want to eat it because it's completely lab grown. I think they did say that you can't. I don't think that you can eat it. I don't know. I, I have to rewatch the CNN thing, but I did watch it. I was like, what? then what, what was the point? They're like, look how cool, how far we've come. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we said something interstellar. Like, we proved that in the 70s or whatever. Come on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
Well, I guess technically it launched in the 70s. Anyway. So in the final 10 days of December, seven more people died. Bayless Williams, Jacob Donner, Samuel Shoemaker, Joseph Reinhardt, James Smith, and Charles Burge. All of them were buried in shallow, icy graves just outside the cabins. The group of 15 that set out through the Sacramento Valley weren't doing much better. Eight of the men died, so only two men and five women remained. No names were given for the eight men that died, but there was evidence that the bodies of some of the dead were eaten by the others. And honestly, that was probably the only reason the other seven survived. The remaining seven that hadn't been eaten arrived in Sacramento, California on January 31st, 1847, and organized the first rescue party. Many of the group back at the camp refused to participate in any cannibalism under any circumstance, and it cost them their lives. As a matter of fact, no cannibalism took place by that group until February, after at least 13 others had died of starvation. Jeez. They held on just long enough, because on February 18th, the rescue party from Sacramento arrived and took with them 23 of the starving Donner Party survivors, 6 adults, and 17 children. Britannica only mentioned that several of the 23 died on the way back to the Sacramento settlement, but there was no specifics. Since the snow was too deep for horses and cattle, all those that they took back with them had to be able to hike out on their own. Due to illness and injuries, the rescue party wasn't able to take everyone with them, so two more rescue parties were sent. There was a man named Louis Kiesberg who was described as having cannibalized with the most vigor. <laughs> Not only did he survive, but for reasons unknown, he skipped going out the first two rescue parties and didn't leave until April 17th with the third and final rescue party. No, no, le gustó. He liked it. <laughs> Let's just be real here. What a weirdo. And that's what I was thinking too. Would you have stayed behind with Kiesberg eating the remains of the dead? No, I was going to be next with that weirdo. Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. But you know what makes me really sad is, can you imagine being those people that were rescued, seeing someone in the distance, realizing it's not a hallucination, feeling that almost euphoria of salvation, and then you're too weak to make it out and they got to leave you behind. That's, it's like playing with your emotions. That's really fucked up. Yeah, and, and apparently, um, since they couldn't take any horses or cattle with them, it was just whatever they could carry, there weren't a lot of rations that they brought back for them. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sure anything was better than eating humans. Right. But um, unless you're Kiesberg, Kiesberg appeared to have uh, really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd just be like, give me some, some grasshoppers, something, shit. Yeah, I don't think there were any grasshoppers. Do you want to hear what's crazy, though? Tell me. I feel like this whole thing was crazy. I can't believe there's, you're like, here's the crazy part. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, nothing about this story is not crazy, except for maybe the beginning when I was setting it up. Okay. In 2010, researchers traveled to the Adler Creek campsite to examine the remains, and they were unable to find any human bones or other physical evidence of cannibalisms. Now, the researchers clarified that lack of evidence doesn't rule out the possibility that cannibalism occurred just that no evidence remained behind. And this is just my crazy conspiracy theory, but it's possible that Louis Kiesberg remained behind to destroy as much evidence of their ghastly ordeal as he could. There was a lake right near the settlement. You could have possibly disposed of the remains there. Maybe he buried the bones. Right. Also, 163 years had passed, so 
who knows where the evidence might have ended up. Yeah. But um, again, the researchers did not rule out that cannibalism had occurred, especially since there were so many accounts reported by various members of the rescue parties and the survivors themselves. I don't think that's like a rumor you want to start if nothing like that happened. So if someone started telling the story of like, hey, some cannibalism went down and other people corroborate the story, then you know, <laughs> chances are <laughs> that's really what happened. Yeah. And you're like, hey, what happened to Todd over there? Like half of his cheek is missing. <laughs> like, oh, we, we wanted some barbacoa. So we started uh, we started with the cheeks. <laughs> oh, gross. That's so nasty. That's so nasty. <laughs> You're like, he had the biggest smile. So we needed his meaty cheeks. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> oh, that's gross. There were a couple of disparities in both of the sources. Wired claimed that there were already rumors of gold being found in California at the time the Donner Party began their infamous excursion to the region. Britannica stated gold wasn't discovered until 1848. I was always under the impression that it was 1849, as that's where the American football team, the 49ers, got their name from. <laughs> the Library of Congress claims gold was first discovered on January 24, 1848. California.gov stated it wasn't discovered until March 15, 1848. Los Padres National Forest claimed it was March 9, 1842. So the actual data is all over the place on that. Interesting. I see. I see. Wired also claimed that of the 85 members of the Donner Party that were originally trapped in the Sierra Nevada, 51 survived and eventually arrived safely to California. So that would have made the death count 34. Britannica claims there were 89 people total with 42 people dying and 47 surviving. Britannica states that on November 20th, Patrick Breen who had joined the Donner Party with his family in Independence, Missouri, started keeping a diary until March 1st of 1847. As far as I can tell, that really was the only written account of what happened. Everything else is known by what the survivors told or chose not to tell others. Virginia Reed did write her cousin back in Illinois to tell her about her ordeal, but she stated that she didn't even mention half of the troubles they encountered, but told her that her letter shouldn't dissuade her or others from making the trip to California. She only warned her to never take any cutoffs or shortcuts and to try to complete the trip as quickly as possible. If you had gone through all that shit, would you try and encourage your family to make the trip? Hell no. I, that's, <laughs> that seems kind of mean, to be perfectly honest. That seems a little cruel to, to be like, yeah, I almost lost my life, but you know, I still got one leg left or <laughs> that just seems like, it's not selling it. I would not. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, that creep Louis Kiesberg tried to eat me every time I would go to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah, that that's mean. I'd be like, dude, stay put. <laughs> Same. I'd be like, hell no, girl. It ain't worth it. No. Yeah, it's, the grass is not greener. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be due to all the remains. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that, that didn't make that better, right? <laughs> too soon, too soon. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Ultimately, the Donner Party story did little to discourage people from migrating to California, and instead of turning into a cautionary tale, became more of a grim historical footnote. An interesting observation that Wired made was that most of the people that died were young men. The only woman they actually mentioned by name dying was Eleanor Eddy. They said that this was due to cultural norms at the time where men did all of the labor 
causing them to expend calories quicker and therefore dying of starvation and malnutrition quicker. Mm. As a matter of fact, most of the men that died were in their 20s and 30s, so they would have been the ones expected to do the majority of the labor because they were younger and stronger. Right. One of the men, William Hook, who actually survived and went out with the first rescue party, gorged himself on food when they arrived in California and died the morning after arriving. That's some shit right there. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, there's actually an explanation. It's uh, referred to as refeeding syndrome. And this was due to a lethal electrolyte imbalance. And when they ate it, it caused like all the other minerals and shit in their body to just go haywire. (gasps) That's crazy, huh? I've never heard of that. But I guess that kind of makes sense a little bit. You go without for so long and then all of a sudden you almost like overdose on food. Yeah. Your body goes into survival mode and there's like a weird mineral imbalance in your body. Mm. But yeah, I thought that was super crazy. I think I would have gorged myself too, especially after being forced to eat like my tia coquita or something just to stay alive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. But I think when you stop eating for such a long time and then you have somewhat of like a big meal, your body, like you can't eat that much. You can't eat like what you used to when, you know what I mean? It's, um, it really feels like you're stomach shrinks a little bit like on its own so who knows they must have like pushed those limits or something i have friends that are vegans oh like you no i'm not vegan and they say that the times that they try to eat meat or something again their bodies just uh end up going crazy yeah when i have had like meat sneak in oh my gosh my stomach hurts so bad so so bad the last time that had happened it was um Isa and I had gone to watch a movie at the Alamo. And you know, the Alamo, it's really dark in there. You don't know what you're seeing or eating. So you're eating in the dark. And, and it was a rat. When I <laughs> when I was reading the write-up of what it was, it sounded like loaded potato, uh, not potatoes. What are those things? Tater tots? It sounded like loaded tater tots. Oh, those are delicious. Yeah. I was like, cheese and chives and all that. Hell yeah. I'm like, bring it on. So I didn't realize that there was... I think bacon in there. Oh, nice. And I remember tasting a consistency that I was like, wait, what was that? And yeah, like two hours later, we were at Hobby Lobby. I'm doubled over. My daughter's trying to pick out some kind of craft, some art and craft. I mean, this was, I don't know, a good four or five years ago. And I'm like doubled over. I'm like, mom is about to die. Hurry up and pick something so I can die at home. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't feel good. That's always a pleasant surprise whenever you get bacon that you didn't anticipate. Mm, for you, yes. When you were <laughs> saying when meat sneaks its way into your food, I was imagining like a 12-ounce steak or something just mysteriously uh, <laughs> making its way into your bowl or whatever, your your plate. That ninja steak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think you would have devolved to cannibalism or do you think you would have rather starved to death like some of the other people from the party did? No, 100%. I would have started eating somebody. I mean, come on. I got to live to tell the tale. There's, they're already dead. You know, I'm going to at least thank them for their sacrifice or whatever. I'm not going to kill anybody. But if they're already dead, you know, hey, got to make use of it. I I would never want to, for sure. But I, if it's a matter of life and death, yeah. It's like that plane. Do you remember the plane crash that happened in the Andes? 
Oh, for the the Alive movie and book? Yes. Oh, man. They started eating the people. Yeah. I'm sure at that time they were like, damn, we should have kept Hardcoop with us so that, that way we could have killed him and, yeah. and eaten him. <laughs> I know. Why did we kick him off? <laughs> yeah, nobody really liked that jerk anyway. Right? He was the chubby one that was weighing us down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Imagine all the food we could have eaten from him. I'm just kidding. That's so awful. Oh, uh, that would have been me. No. <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> I could have fed the entire Donner party. I see. Maybe that's a good thing to me, being so skinny. They're like, well, she'd be like the toothpick afterwards. We just get the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking about that too. As much as I love meat... You wouldn't? You would rather die of starvation? I don't know if I could do it, especially since things like that gross me out. But... um. I don't know. I mean, if you haven't eaten in several weeks, who knows? Right. Apparently, when your body enters starvation mode, you start experiencing a cognitive decline, which I feel like I'm already there. I... So it... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then you also start hallucinating. So you're not even thinking straight at the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think straight half of the time. So right. <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, the, the added stress of, of being in that con those conditions and starving. And who knows, maybe I would be the first one to start, uh, get the ice cream scoop and start scooping out the brains or whatever. Hey, oh, <laughs> that's gross. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could eat brains. It seems like the consistency would be really bad. But if you like skewer up a, you know, a thigh, a quad, some kind of, <laughs> I, <laughs> I might have to if I have to, but I, I wouldn't want to, that's for sure. Yeah, and no, I think like the... Maybe like the butt muscles and like the thighs would probably be like, would be most appealing, I think. I, I couldn't be looking at somebody's face, you know, while I'm doing that shit. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's that many muscles anyway. But yeah, you think you're right. I think the most, the muscular, the most muscular part is probably our glutes and our, our quads, our hamstrings, whatever, all those things. I mean, I'd have to like straight up lie to myself as I'm chewing. It'd be like, it's Whataburger. It's what. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would probably have to do the same thing too. That's why I always carry around uh, tahin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> In case you're forced to eat somebody. Right, my best friend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can take your dog with you. At least that way you can Oy, eat. That's mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that high note, yeah. we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Do it. Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. Hopefully not about cannibalism. No, but although that would make a very interesting story. That would. That's a true story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>